Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. My name is Rowan Wood, and joining me, as always, he wants to create to make something big out of something little. It's my co-host, Shane Conto, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how big they are, but I sure create a lot. Exactly. You create. <laughs> I will never not be impressed at how much you create. I posted on um, Letterbox uh, on 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 Twitter today. My my Letterbox mid year. S- yeah, and Foster was shocked at yeah. um at like the number of 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 movies I watch. I guarantee you, you watch at least twice as many movies as I do in like in a year, and. You also crank out so many podcasts, so many written things, so many shows, and you have like a like. Is it a full time job on top of everything else? I have a full time job and a part time job at a university. Will never not be impressive to me. <laughs> it's it's interesting because I saw your tweet, mm-hmm. and I was gonna be like, because according to Letterbox, I've watched three hundred and eighty two movies, but I only mark new releases exactly and you watch i'm sure like the same amount otherwise right because i'm always seeing you post on instagram like oh an animation marathon and oh like 90s movies day and it's like (laughs) i don't know how you have the time i have uh as we're recording this my next one coming up is a a musical movie marathon that i have with my friends the muppets 2011 is leading the way (laughs) very nice I wouldn't be surprised if Inside also gets voted, mm-hmm. and then we can all get depressed together. Hell yeah! Like we have to watch <laughs> that first, and then Muppets. Exactly. To bring us back up again. Yeah, and also anyway. on top of all that, you watch every TV, like every episode of TV that comes out, everywhere, which is crazy. I try. <laughs> and, and the shows that I, I was what I was going to say is. I have decided to be a little bit more selective with the uh-huh. weekly shows that I watch. Yeah. But I still watch a lot of them. Right. And so, like watched Righteous Gemstones this morning and Platonic. Platonic was is a shockingly fun show on mm-hmm. Apple. And I just love Righteous Gemstones. That show's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Gemstones too. But like even the shows I feel like you don't get to weekly, like when a new Netflix show drops, like you might not get to it because it all releases at once. I see on your Instagram, you like pick it up like uh, like six months later. You're like, next up, this show that 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 I remember watching that <laughs> that you're only watching now. I don't know. Again, we'll never not be impressed. I have a system and I... <laughs> I was talking with Foster and we were on here and I sh- shared my screen of my spreadsheet that I have. Um, I think he was overwhelmed. I have a system <laughs> and it's pretty detailed. Mm-hmm. Keeps me in check. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're anyway. going to talk about a movie. <laughs> yeah, we have a specific movie to talk about today. Yes. Uh, Shane, what movie was that? We are talking about the Red Shoes from co-directors Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. And this is based off of a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And basically we have a dancer and a composer who fall in love while putting on this opera or this ballet. And I was really excited about this because I'm a huge fan of Black Narcissus, Mm -hmm. which is another film from these directors. And that was one of the most gorgeous films I've ever watched. 
And then I watched this movie and realized this is also one of the most gorgeous films I've right. ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it's both based on the um Hans Christian Andersen at uh fairy tale while also incorporating the fairy tale itself into the plot, which you don't yep. see super often. And I thought I, that 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 was just so well done and like a really interesting idea. I feel like Black Swan is like the closest thing and yeah. A hundred percent Darren Aronofsky had to watch this movie, right? Yeah, he said that it was just th- that the similarities were coincidental, but come on. I feel like there's just a bit too much. He's an coming. a-hole. He's full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely watched this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he said he wasn't influenced by it because, quote, it's a masterpiece and he didn't want to it, he didn't want to meddle with his legacy. But I feel like if you're influenced by a movie as 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 amazing and as classic as this, just wear your influences on your sleeve. Like, I, I feel like that's a pretty a pretty good way to do things. I just watched the whole entire documentary about six or seven filmmakers talking about how influenced David Lynch is by Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It's just in the DNA of his filmmaking. Right. And you could definitely feel the influences of this film in a lot of things. But this is it's it's an interesting experience because I think the narrative, the romance, the jealousy, this love triangle of sorts that's going on is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the ballet happens. And is so miraculous and incredible to look at and so engaging. I'm like, but I want a whole movie of that. Right. (laughs) And then it makes it hard to feel as engaged with, like, the drama that's going on offstage. Like, I, it's, once that ballet started, this is... Some of the most impressive makeup, hairstyling, production design, cinematography, just everything that I've seen put on a screen. It's absolutely breathtaking. Totally. And and that is, I think, far and away the best part of the movie. It's it's like a it, it feels like it's like half an hour, like a 30 minute stretch mm-hmm. of just the this production sort of fading in and out of what the location is supposed to look like versus what it looks like in real life, what they're actually dancing against. And it, yeah. it just feels so, um, it, it just feels so magical. Like the dancing is far and away. I think the best part of this movie, uh, even though like I fully, like I don't fully understand like ballet itself. I do think the way that movies use it and explain it are very interesting because they're, um, they're doing it in a way that like they're not assuming you know anything about it so they're only Mm -hmm. telling you what you need to know in relation to the movie itself and not necessarily anything else um and 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 this movie sort of focuses in on sort of the psychological aspect of it just like just like black swan does of course um and in a much more like 1940s way of like oh like because uh, this was absolutely revolutionary for the time like like this was not something that you would expect to see um on film like this is a, i feel like incredibly subversive and dynamic for the time that it was made well and that's one of the reasons why i love black narcissus so much is like you tell me you're gonna put me 
sit me down and watch a 1940s movie. This is nothing like I would expect to see from a 1940s movie. Like this is something so dynamic and engaging. And I do think that the performances are strong. The characters work well. And the main narrative of the film is engaging and obvious. And it leads up to quite the uncomfortable and tragic kind of resolution that it does mm-hmm. i would be i would be so interested to watch this movie like i want to erase the ballet part from my mind right and just watch the narrative and see how engaged i am with it mm-hmm. because i feel like it's its own the movie is its own enemy because this diversion into the actual ballet just made me want to watch the ballet like i would go see this production like i would want to be there seeing it because it's so miraculous and obviously it's more interesting to us because we get a quote-unquote front row seat because it's just the camera on the stage yeah so but this is this was like black narcissus is one of my like top 50 favorite movies and i really want this to like sit and stew and see how much i really connect with this mm-hmm. because the way that um pressburger and pal direct this and their films in general is so engaging and striking this is directors really making the most out of film and the visual medium that they have in front of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and it it's manages to be like the especially the 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 ballet part very surreal mm-hmm. um and and also just I love how they play into the psychological aspect of it um because only by the end do you really realize that uh both the love interest of the main character Vicky and the like sort of like the um, the head of the dance academy type character mm-hmm. both of them like like both of these very prevalent men in her life are fairly are both fairly manipulative and it's not a side of one versus the other it's a side of like it's it's both of them are sort of affecting her in 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 in, in different ways but still both negative ways um and i i just also thought that the characters were so interesting like most are 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 pretty straight and narrow and then there's like one or two characters that are just so goofy and over the top and feel like they belong in a different movie and i thought that that those choices were just so interesting but i actually i like i i like those choices i think it, it it sort of grounds it in reality because not everyone you meet is going to be exactly the same and if you go to a dance academy like this you're going to yes. meet some like <laughs> you're going to meet some some wackadoodle people well i think and i think that that was going to be my point too is that look at the context that this film takes place in mm-hmm. these are all performers yeah. and some of them really are performers <laughs> and you you made an interesting point that this is such an odd comparison but it made me think of uh blackberry mm. in the sense that you have a character a central character who has two very powerful forces pulling on them that you're like do i want them to be with either of them because both of them are pushing these unhealthy forces upon this person in different ways Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is her reality in this 
And she becomes a victim of her own success and her own talents because these men want to be with her so much that they'll destroy her to, like, not have her not with them. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad and tragic. And this this left me feeling a lot of feelings when the credits started rolling on this. I was very happy that this was on my watch list and we wound up talking about this because this was definitely a, a film that really impacted me. Right. It's 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 one that makes you want to think about it afterward, but not in like a burdening way. It it's 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 more of like a oh, that was an interesting movie. I wonder like it's it's a movie that works better when you think about it over time as opposed mm-hmm. to in the moment, which I think is a mark of 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 a truly great film. Well, I I watched Black Narcissus back in 2018, I think it was. And I had been thinking about it for years. It left that kind of impression on me. So I feel like Powell and Pressburger are pretty under-the-radar directors who don't get talked about a whole lot in terms of like great filmmakers of the time but like they make some extremely impactful films Mm -hmm. so you're on notice people (laughs) go check them out um the real question is shane where does the red shoes rank in the plethora of now 62 films that we've talked about on the show this is my number 10 and it's right below Shaun of the dead and right above Crazy Stupid Love. And I am interested to see if this starts creeping up. Because the thing is, like, I'm still sitting there. I'm like, was the rest of the film as good as those 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll sit on it longer and realize, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's just in the moment, you're distracted by, like, how amazing those 30 minutes were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I that is, I feel exactly the same way. Um, it's at, uh, number 22 for me. So in the upper, you know, um, the upper third, um, mm-hmm. it is above Irma Vep and below Ip Man. So sort of sandwiching between, uh, two of the ones that we have recently talked about, but yeah, I, I, I really liked it. But again, I do think you bring up a really interesting point that I wonder how well the movie works without the dancing. I, 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 I just think that's just a fascinating idea. I, I would be interested though because like this is on Max, so like it's just on there. So yeah. like I, I would be interested to watch this again and like skip the ballet part and yeah. kind of just see how the film works by itself and see how engaged I am. Mm-hmm. I'll report back at some point when I get right. doing that. I um I ended up um going into uh the movie theater where I work early one morning last week and I watched it in the theater uh, alone uh, in, in the morning, which was amazing. I love being able to do that. Um, I did <laughs> the day before that. And I watched, I went in early also and watched Eurovision, the, the story of fire saga. <laughs> and then this, the next day. So a very strange sort of double feature, but so, so fun. And, and like definitely, you know, I don't know if like if they do re-releases of you know of this movie ever, but it it, it played I super well in the theater. Hope they do. Yeah. Oh, uh, this would have been a year to do it. What? Wait, this was forty eight, right? Forty eight. Yeah. 
See, it's on one of the fives or tens. Yeah. They could have done it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. But um, now all I can think of is Volcano Man. <laughs> Volcanic Protector Man. I, no joke, I have been listening to that soundtrack ever, like, like for over a week. Ever since I saw it, I have just had it on repeat. I want Yaya Ya Ding Dong. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Great movie. Great movie. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, anyway, we have three categories to talk about today, as always. We are going to talk about um, productions within movies, so movies with any sort of production within them. Uh, movies based on fairy tales, uh, get be prepared for a lot of Disney, and uh, ni- the year 1948 that The Red Shoes was released. Uh, let's start with productions within movies. Uh, Shane, your top five. I guess first, how did you define this category? Th- this was an interesting one, and because... I suggested this because it's I think it what I tried to keep it to is that at some point in the film there is a production of some kind of show mm-hmm. whether it's an opera a ballet a play something a musical so my number 5 is waiting for guffman mm. the Christopher Guest one which is about a community theater troupe <laughs> hilarious um I think probably one of Christopher Guest's underappreciated ones. Number four is The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, because <laughs> is the whole movie a performance? Um, and there, at least it starts off with a, a performance of The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> Number three is The Producers, the 1967 version, and I want to see Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> I want somebody to produce it. So that I could actually watch it from beginning to end. Um, number two is Dead Poets Society. That uh, I just love this movie in general. Just watching him up on that stage playing and and then seeing his dad walk in and realizing this isn't going to go well, <laughs> and how things go after that. And number one's Amadeus because you know oh. the whole entire film has plenty of in film productions of things and it's just a miraculous film and if you haven't seen it watch it yep wholeheartedly agree uh my number five is scream two um sort of the whole climax is set at um the uh on the stage where the main character sydney is going to uh be in a play um and 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 they use sort of the architecture of the stage in a very in a very interesting way for that climax uh, number four is Birdman. Um, the uh, the my, of course the the famous quote unquote one shot uh, movie yeah. with 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 Michael Keaton. I watched this pretty recently, and like I thought it was so fascinating how they shot the the actual stage stuff in the one shot mm-hmm. style. I like I thought that that was one of the more interesting visual elements of it in a movie full of of uh, visually interesting um parts Absolutely. uh number three is uh black swan uh i it's similar to the red shoes in premise uh i feel like if you pitch these these two movies on the surface there would not be a huge difference uh in terms of uh basic uh plot elements but still fantastic uh number two is mission impossible rogue nation uh because there is an awesome scene with an opera that is i don't know if it's i don't think it's the introduction to rebecca ferguson's character um but it is a scene with her earlier on um, that has like just some fantastic um some fantastic uh work in terms of 
playing with the the set while not interrupting the actual production and i thought that that was so great plus uh I didn't the song, think about that one it's um, great yeah the song that they're singing in the opera i clocked instantly because my latin teacher in high school played pavarotti's version of it uh, like a couple of times for us and so immediately like it's in the background but I clocked it I, I turned to my roommate and I was like is that Nessun Dorma and he was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> um, <laughs> and and then I immediately texted all my friends who were in my Latin class and I was like guess what's in this movie um, anyway number one as somebody who has some opera on his Spotify I uh-huh. appreciate that yes. Uh, number one is also Amadeus, uh, because how could it not? It, I may or may not have switched it right when you said that, um, but because I, I couldn't not spotlight one of my favorite movies uh, of all time, mm-hmm. Amadeus Rules. And uh, if you want to listen to more of my thoughts on Amadeus, check out the Sif Pop Writer's Room episode uh, that I was recently on where we where we talked about that. I guess that would have come out months beforehand by the time this episode actually comes out, but still oh, available on podcast platforms. <laughs> Um, anyway, next up is based on fairy tales. Um, uh, Shane, your list. Um, number five is the most out of the box one is the Matrix. Hell yeah. Literally is just Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. in a very, very 90s way. Yeah. Um, number four is Pan's Labyrinth, um, which I know somebody here who absolutely loves Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Um, number three is, is the princess bride and i love the princess bride number two beauty and the beast for the longest time this was my favorite animated movie of all time mm. and then i saw things that weren't made by disney dreamworks are <laughs> but still it's still one of my favorites and it had to be number one it's shrek yeah it had to be i knew it would be <laughs> so we know each other so well, Rowan. Of course. Your turn. Um, so I had a slightly different definition of this than I think you okay. did. I defined it as based on sort of like a like a very specific okay. um, aspect of fairy tales. So like Pan's Labyrinth, Princess Bride do not qualify under my definition. Fair. They would both absolutely be on my list if they did. Well, one would be at the top of your list. Oh, totally. So. I think bo- both of those would be at the top of my list if I'm being entirely honest. Um, but my number five is The Little Mermaid. Uh, mm. I did some digging on the actual Little Mermaid story by Hans Christian Andersen, and it is messed up. Uh, yeah. If you want your mind blown, look that up and see how crazy <laughs> insane Disney had to uh, sensitize this. Uh, number four is uh, Shrek. I love how they incorporate the fairy tale characters and world yeah. into this movie. It's so great. Um, number four is uh, sorry number three is frozen another hans christian anderson uh, adaptation he's you know the best to ever do it uh number two is beauty and the beast i agree with you shane it's, it's just so fantastic like the gold standard for disney animated um yes. classics uh and number one is tangled uh which uh, is one of my favorite disney animated movies i adore this movie i just love it so much i think it's so fun um and just so exciting and so creative and such a great spin on the original um rapunzel story i had tangled until i decided that i was going to include the matrix on yeah. my list that's so. totally totally valid we, we get to spotlight different movies too there you go um our final category is 1948 uh 75 years ago as of this year um absolutely crazy um but anyway shane your top five I've literally only watched five and they're all great. <laughs> I've seen six. So, yes, I win. I win for once. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, my number five is Bicycle Thieves, um, which it is so intriguing watching all these like act, just like people who are not actors act out this very dramatic film. Um, speaking of dramatic, number four, Hamlet. Um, this is not my favorite Hamlet adaptation, but you know it is Lawrence Olivier, so it's pretty legit. And also, I'm just gonna say it: all the best scenes in any Hamlet adaptation are with his father's ghost because those scenes are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is the Treasure of Sierra Madre, which this is a very down and dirty western. A lot of people, nobody to really root for. They're all a bunch of scumbags, and Humphrey Bogart. Um, number two is the red shoes and number one is rope because for a movie that's like 80 minutes sure grabs you every single second totally oh yeah um our lists were pretty similar as i as i expected um my number five is mr blandings builds his dream house uh, which is a fun uh, Cary Grant movie, uh, like a comedy, which I, uh, aside from His Girl Friday, this is the only comedy starring Cary Grant that I've ever seen. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's fun. And it's also a great like commentary on the suburbanization of the early to mid 20th century. Um, I watched this one for class, if you couldn't tell. Uh, number no. four is uh, The Red Shoes. Number three is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is just absolutely stunning. And just so like such a great classic and very simple story that works on so many levels mm-hmm. um number two is bicycle thieves i echo everything that you said uh hamlet did not make my list that was uh th- that was number six i thought it was fantastic but i i just didn't connect with it as much as i hoped i would um but my number one it, yeah it, it feels very like this is a play Right. Totally. Yeah. That that was also the first time this past week that I had seen anything Hamlet related. Never read the play, never watched the show, never anything. So Lawrence Olivier was my King. first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I knew I knew basically the story, but yeah. <laughs> um, number one is Rope, uh, Al- Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, which is just an absolutely genius. Um, also, like Hamlet, basically a play, but done so well with such incredible um, camera work and just like some of the best acting I've ever seen, honestly. Oh my God. Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. showing up there and just wrecking stuff. Yeah. Just like, so, so Come good. on in. So good. <laughs> um, anyway, so those are um, our, uh, those are our top fives and our discussion of the red shoes. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do next week, but we promise we will have another movie for you. Um, Shane, is there anywhere you would like to send the people if they want to hear more from you? You can all head to the Wasteland Reader Instagram page where I shamelessly plug all the things that I do for my different podcasts that I do on my own, like the Cinematic Wasteland, the Wasteland Vintage Roadshow, all the reviews and articles that I do with Sif Pop and Scribe Magazine, and now Guy at the Movies. I have articles out. You could go read my opinions, which is different for me because I don't really write op-eds and then of course the wasteland viewer youtube channel where i have all of my reviews and my three weekly shows we're getting up there i'm in like 150 plus on one of them it's insane very exciting um you can find me at the leniencritic.com uh for my reviews or you can go to my twitter at bits of joel um 
or on Instagram or on Letterboxd at Rowan a Boat if you like. Um, I also have another podcast called Runtime Babe that I do with my partner. That's pretty great. You should check that out as well. And by the time this episode comes out, we will have done um, a lot of fun um, episodes relating to perhaps uh, the Barbie movie or maybe um, some uh, some Meg related shenanigans. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll oh see. That's that's just the plan for now. Um, so you can find that wherever podcasts are. But for Rowan Wood and Shane Kanto, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Rowan and the Wasteland.